Hey, good morning, everybody. It's Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Hope you guys are doing great. So we're going to be talking about ministry credentials uh, today, credentials for ministry. Um, and we're going to continue our series here in the book of Romans. And so I hope you guys, let me turn on some, some music here. I love Josh Snodgrass. He's so awesome. There we go. That. Hopefully that's not too loud. Let me turn it down a bit. There we go. Um, we're going to be talking about credentials for ministry, right? And we're going to be talking about a few other things as well, you know, but uh, just a couple, uh, uh, just an announcement before we get started. Um, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We have a whole intercessory prayer team that is set up that prays over your prayer request every day for a week. And right now what I'm doing is I'm taking a month joining the, I mean, we, the pastors pray with, with the intercessory prayer team, but I'm taking a special uh, month just to join in and really pray over your prayer requests. We do have a few that has been already uh, put in. And so, um, and it's uh, something that God's kind of leading me to do and just, you know, sit instead of listening to you know, uh, some sermons by Alistair Begg or R.C. Sproul or, you know, uh, Jack Hibbs or whatever, you know, I'm actually getting into a lot of prayer and just sitting and, and pr praying over the, the prayer requests that are coming in, which I do anyways during the day, but um, my focus is a little bit more on it now. So if that makes sense to you guys, I hope it does. Um, and, uh, um, I think it's too loud in front of the, the speak as front of my microphones. <laughs> Sorry about that. So yeah, so if you guys need prayer, please go there. We'd love to pray for you and stuff. And please pray for me. Um, you know, I'm not doing this because of my prayer life is lacking. Uh, I'm doing this because God, there's some stuff that I need to focus on. You know what I mean? And, and Made Free Church Idaho is one of them. Made Free Church Uganda, as well as Made Free Church California. We want to plant some more churches all over the United States and all over the world as well. So God is doing a major work here at Made Free Church. So, um, and uh, we're just loving it. You know, we're a small church, you know, we're, we're not huge, we're not a mega church. Um, but yeah, so just pray for us as that. And pray for me, I'm, I'm struggling with a lot of pain. Um, you know, I got tendonitis in my arms and on my shoulders, the big calcium deposits and, uh, just pray for healing, you know, pray that, 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 you know, God, you know, and, and it's affecting my job and stuff right now. And, and I can't afford that, you know, so just uh, pray for healing for me, please guys. Cause that's, uh, it's something huge for me right now. Um, I'm not getting any younger and I'm working uh, a laborious job, which I totally love working there. It's such an amazing job and amazing opportunity. So if you guys can uh, just pray for me on that, that would be great. So Let's get into prayer. Let's get into this, guys. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we just want to say thank you for all that you do. Lord, and just we just lift up today, Lord, and we just ask that you bless our hands and feet as whatever we do, if we're with family or we go to church or whatever, Lord, that you just bless today, Heavenly Father. You're just a great dad and we love you. Lord, as, as I preach the word, get me out of the way and let your Holy Spirit run through, God because we love you 
and we worship you, God. We just want to be more like you in every way, Heavenly Father. We just want to be obedient to your word, um, you know, God. So we just love you. So just get me out of the way and let your Holy Spirit speak through me, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so we're going to we're gonna uh, be back in Romans. Chap- I'm going all the way back to chapter 1. Um, Because this is where Paul kind of does his ministry credentials and and where he says, you know, that who he is, right? Um, And I think that's important that we we understand that, you know. So, you know, shortly after I graduated high school, I went to work for Capitol Records in Los Angeles, California. And I started out as a studio drummer and I worked a lot with mostly mariachi bands coming out of Mexico. For some reason, they didn't have a drummer or whatever. and, And it was just or the, the first mariachi band that I worked for, uh, the, the, the drummer, uh, they either had a baby or, or something. So we had to go back to Mexico and Mex- you know, Mexico is really, really family orientated, but the band needed to do a, a, an album for capital. So I got to sit in and for the, I think for the first six months, that's all I really did was mariachi bands, which is fine. You know what I mean? Uh, the guys were great. We had fun. And then I went on to, um, you know, being a, a, a touring uh, drum tech for a lot of huge bands. And I did that until, uh, you know, 2000, I think 2012 or 2011, I think, is when I retired. So I spent, you know, 26, 27 years working for Capitol Records. So it was really, 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 really good to be there. And, and, and I had a great career, but, you know, uh, it was one of those things, right? So, you know, one night I, I found myself alone in the studio and I was thinking about, you know, my credentials as a studio musician. And it was, a, I was, I, it was exciting because I was in a million dollar studio, but I had no idea where it would take me. And it took me all over the world, you know, and I was just blown away when I, I'm blown away just looking back and, and, and how that all came about. So sometimes, you know, I think about my pastoral credentials and, and how God looks at that. You know, I mean, it, it, it's like I had the, the pastors that, you know, Pastor Dave, Pastor Happy and, and Pastor Wayne, the, the men who ordained me. Um, they said, now you got a double, a, a double huge size target on your back. Right. But see, I know how God looks at that. Right. And, and, and I know I'm not only accountable to him, but I'm accountable to other men in my life as well. That, uh, you know, as, as far as school's concerned, as far, as far as all that, you know, I'm accountable to that, you know, and I have men in my life that I'm accountable to, you know. So it's not like, you know, you know this this Lone Ranger because I'm the preaching pastor of this church right now, you know, what I mean, but it's just one of those things I love to talk about God so anyway that that being said so today I want to talk to you guys about credentials for ministry you know um, in almost every area of life credentials are for a particular situation is necessary you know like a police officer needs the right credentials in order to pull you over and give you a traffic ticket right a surgeon needs the right credentials in order to cut you open and do surgery. A pharmacist needs the right credentials to give you medicine. And an electrician needs the right credentials to wire your house. So today, 
you know, I want to show you Paul's credentials for ministry, which are found back in Romans chapter one, verse one. And it says this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. That's a pretty big statement, you know, um, because he was, he went for three years out in the wilderness or three years, you know, I think it was out in the wilderness. Maybe it wasn't, I don't quite remember, but he went out and actually, um, spent three years and, and Jesus taught him ministry. You know what I mean? Those are some really, really high credentials. Three years after his conversion. That's, that's pretty huge. You know what I mean? It's, it's really, really huge. So, so Lord Littleton and, and Gilbert West, uh, were the 19th century English, uh, barristers, right? And, and they were not Christians. And, and one day they took upon themselves to disprove Christianity, you know, and, and as they discussed their project, they decided that there were two main strongholds in the Christian faith, right? One was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the other was the conversion of the apostleship of Paul. You know, West decided to write uh, against uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Littleton's task was to disprove the, the, the faculty of, you know, Paul's conversion. Since each man was not a Christian, they were somewhat rusty in their knowledge of the facts. So they agreed that if they were to be honest in their investigation, that they should at least thoroughly examine all the evidence. So while they were preparing their books, they they, they kind of, they, they occasionally met together. And on one occasion, West told Littleton that there was something on his mind that he felt he needed to share. And he said that, uh, he had, been studying the evidence of Jesus' resurrection and he had come to think that there was something to it and, and, and since it was very well attested. And Littleton replied that he was glad that Wes had spoken as he did um, and because he also became increasingly aware that there was some truth to account of Paul's, road, uh, Paul's Damascus road conversion. So later, after both men finished writing their books, they met together again and Littleton said to his friend, Gilbert, I've been studying the evidence and weighing it by the recognized laws and legal evidence. And I have become satisfied that Saul of Tarsus was converted as the New Testament says he was and that Christianity is true. So I have written my book from that perspective. And Wes, uh, West uh, replied in a similar way that he too had become convinced that the truth of Jesus' resurrection, had, that he had come to believe in Jesus, and he also written his book in defense of Christianity. You know, today the, the, their, their books are, are found in many good libraries and, and stuff like that, and a few Christians are, su are surprised by the story, but it has at least one usual element, right? Since it's clear that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is foundational to Christianity. It is easy to understand why a non-Christian like West would want to write a book refuting the resurrection. 
But the conversion and apostleship of the Apostle Paul might initially seem to be much less important. Yet here, as in many other places, first glances are misleading. And Paul was not the founder of Christianity, as some have called him. Jesus deserves that title. Yet Paul is important as the first and greatest of the church's missionaries. You know, the, the, as the articulator and symptomizer of theology, right? Uh, that, you know, discrediting his conversion as an apostleship would seriously undermine Christianity itself. So if Paul was not converted as a result of seeing the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and if he did not receive the gospel by direct revelation from Jesus Christ, as he claimed, then Paul was a fraud and an imposter, and his writings are not true. And Christianity is stripped of its single most important teacher after the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So, right at the onset of, the, of, of his letter in Romans, Paul gives his ministry credentials, right? You know, the Christians in Rome had a right to know of what authority Paul was writing to them as he did. And so he introduces himself to the church, Roman church, with three designation, which he, st he establishes credentials for his ministry, right? He tells them about his master, his office, and his purpose. <coughs> In a similar way, we learn that in order to be credentialed for uh, ministry, we must have the right master, specific office, and a clear purpose. So, the first order to be credentialed for ministry is you must have the right master. Paul was credentialed for ministry because of who his master was. He writes, Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, right? That's the first part of chapter one, verse 1a. And, and see, Paul could never forget the pit from which he had been rescued. Like, you know, when, when Paul was making his defense before King Agrippa of Caesarea in Acts 29, verses nine through 11, it says this, I too am convinced that I thought that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were, and, and when they were put to death, I casted my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. See, Paul was as zealous and young. Paul was a, a, a very zealous young Pharisee. He did everything that he could to oppose Jesus Christ. He hated him. He hated his followers. He was an enemy of Christ and he despised everything about Jesus, right? But see, 
the Lord Jesus in his marvelous grace and mercy encountered Paul on the road to Damascus. And the Lord rescued Paul from his sinful hatred and opposition to himself, right? But, and, and, and he took Paul out of the miry clay and put him, his feet upon the rock. And for all, for him, all things were now new. See, Paul could never forget that, right? Paul could never forget that he who had been a slave to sin and Satan had been rescued by none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's, it's impossible to understand Paul and his letter to the Romans without remembering this. And that, that is why he calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ. See, the, the Greek word of servant is dolos, right? The word really means more than a servant. It means bond servant. You know, the, the term comes from, you know, a ceremony, uh, uh, ceremony described in the, in, in the Old Testament. The Israelites had their economic system laws governing a man who got into debt. Right? He actually became the property of his creditor. In fact, he became a servant to his creditor. Right, But that servanthood had a termination. When the seventh year rolled around, right, all the servants were set free and could leave their masters. And some of them realized certain things about their own lack of ability to maintain themselves in a rugged, rugged economy of the world at that time. You know, they remembered that they, uh, when they had been free, uh, they had not eaten well, they weren't clothed, they didn't know how to really fend for themselves. You know, but now under kind masters, they're, they're you know, they were well housed and well fed. They, they looked toward you know, they, they look toward the, their future freedom with some trepidation as they realize that it might soon be, right? What's more, a life of hunger and cold and, and depravation, uh, right, is not a good thing. No doubt there was some who sought to escape the bondage of the cruel masters, but there were others who knew the kindness and love of their, of their master's heart. See, the Mosaic law provided a way for an indentured servant to voluntarily become a permanent bond service to their masters that he loved and respected. Exodus 21, five through six says this, but if the servants declare, I love my master and I do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or doorstep and pierce his ear with an awl then he'll be a servant for life, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. The servant could have gone free, but he chose to remain as a servant to his kind master. And, and, and whatever, wherever he went after that, he was known as the bond servant of his kind master. He carried in his body marks of his servanthood, right? This world has two masters, God and Satan. Now, although they're not equal in power and uh, in, in authority, God, of course, is, the, is supreme and sovereign, and he allows Satan's 
he, he allows Satan's a limited ability to rule until the Lord Jesus Christ returns and, you know, to wrap up history as we presently know it, right? And every single person in this world is a servant to either Satan or Christ. Now, now no one serves two masters, as Jesus said in, in Luke 16, 13, where he says, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. A young, as a young man, you know, Paul had a, a, been in service to Satan, right? Now, of course, he didn't realize that he was in Satan's service, um, just as most non-Christians today don't realize they belong to Satan or are even serving him. But God rescued Paul from Satan's service on the road to Damascus. Paul soon realized what a cruel master Satan was. And he also realized what a kind, gracious, merciful, loving master the Lord is. See, that's, that's important for us to understand, guys. You know what I mean? Is how cruel Satan really is and how loving and graceful, you know, Jesus is. You know, so... You know, later Paul wrote in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, he says, For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, so Paul is the first and foremost, right, a servant of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul is first and foremost a Christian, but that this was his, like his first credential for ministry. Jesus Christ was his master. He no longer belonged to Satan. He no longer, uh, uh, was living for Satan, which he really didn't know. Right. He didn't understand. He was just being a part of the law and being a part of being a Pharisee, but he belonged to Christ, right? He no longer lived uh, no longer was a slave to sin and lived that way. He was a slave to righteousness, right? Jesus recognized that there were, there were, there would be imposters posing as servants of Jesus Christ with their false credentials, right? And he said this in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name? Uh, did we not drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And, and so the first credential for ministry is having the right master. Now, are, are you, uh, like Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ? will you will never be able to serve Christ until he is your master and you are his servant right see Paul was credentialed for ministry because he knew who his master was it was the Lord Jesus and he was a servant of him right and second in order to be credentialed for ministry you must have a specific office Paul's credential for ministry, uh, let me rephrase that. 
Paul was credentialed for his ministry because of his office. And he writes next, called to be an apostle in verse 1b, right? A better rendering of the Greek text would be called a called apostle, right? Which more clearly points out to the fact that Paul's position as apostle was not his own doing. Um, he did not volunteer for that office, nor was he elected by his, by fellow Christians. He was divinely called by Jesus Christ himself. And the word apostle translates the Greek of apostolos, which basically means one who is sent, right? Now, in its, in its narrow New Testament uh, usage, the word apostle means one who is chosen and sent with a specific mission as fully authorized representative of Jesus Christ, right? Um, in, a, in a sense, in this sense, only 13 men, the 12, Matthias replacing Judas and Paul are apostles of Jesus Christ. Now, what qualified uh, a man to be an apostle? Well, there's two specific requirements uh, to qualify a man to be an apostle. First, an apostle apostle is a man who had been who have been a man had to have seen the Lord Jesus Christ. So, first, if you're if it, 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 an apostle is a man who had seen the risen Lord, right? Uh, when the apostles were waiting in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit, they decided to choose a 12th man to complete their ranks after the treachery and the death of Judas, right? Two men were nominated for the office of apostle. There was Joseph called Barabbas and there was Matthias. And Peter explained it was necessary for the replacement to have known the risen Lord and you have been a witness to his resurrection, right? It says this in Acts uh, chapter 1, 22, verse B. That's the last part of it. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So Lot fell to Matthias, right? And he had chosen to be the apostle to replace Judas. Paul saw the risen Lord on the road to Damascus, right? Paul affirms to the Corinthians that seeing the risen Christ was the first qualification of apostles. He said this in, in 1 Corinthians 9.1, I am not free. I am not an apostle. I have not seen Jesus our Lord. Right? Now the emphasis on that is mine. So, um, And second, to be an apostle, uh, a man had to be specifically called and commissioned by Jesus Christ. At the start of his earthly ministry, Jesus chose 12 men to be apostles. We read that in, in Luke uh, chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. It says, On those days, one of those days, Jesus went out into the hills to pray and spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his apostles to him and chose 12 of them, whom he, was, whom he also designated as apostles. See, Paul met this qualification to be an apostle as well. The Lord Jesus specifically called and commissioned him to be an apostle. And Paul tells us uh, about this in his defense to King Agrippa in, in Acts 26, 16 through 18, where Jesus said to him, and he said this, Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you 
appointed you as a servant and as a witness to what you have seen of me and that I and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn from their darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sin and in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Because the apostles were uniquely called and sent by Jesus Christ to be a witness, they were also given a unique authority so that they said and eventually wrote as apostles who carried the force of divine teaching or scripture. So this was confirmed in uh, Paul's first letter to Thessalonians in chapter 2, verse 13, and he said this, And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you hear from us, you accepted it in not the word of men, but it actually, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Powerful stuff, guys. I mean, it truly is. Power, powerful stuff. So, let us draw several lessons from the from this. Like, first, by calling himself an apostle in the letter to Romans, Paul reminds his teachers that he is writing as no mere ordinary man, but rather as one who has been given a message that should be received as the very word of God. Now, if, if, if you want to profit from the study of Romans, then, you know, you, you, you got to really receive it as it truly is. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just simply a message from Paul to us, but rather it's a, a message from God to our hearts and minds. And, and it's because it is a message from God to us and we must obey the, the teaching, right? Just as we would be obligated to obey God if he were to speak directly to us. Second, because the unique qualification uh, required for men to serve it as apostle, there is no more apostles today. Now, I say that because after John, uh, the apostle John passed away um, and died, that office is closed, just as I'm going to come to some other conclusions in just a minute. Remember, an apostle had to have physically seen the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He had to be personally called and commissioned by Jesus Christ. Because of these requirements, only 12 and Paul were called to that office of apostle. Those who claim today um, that there, uh, there is an apostolic uh, succession or that there are contemporary apostles are simply wrong, right? There are no apostles today because no one has seen the risen Lord Jesus Christ, nor have been personally called and commissioned by him to serve as an apostle. The office of an apostle is closed upon the death of John. There are no modern day apostles, guys. And if someone is claiming to be an apostle, they're either deceived or being deceived and is a liar, right? And I, I say that, and yes, I said that, right? It, 
there are too many people out there claiming this office. You know what I mean? And there, that office is closed, guys. And you know what? I'll do a, a Bible study on that, or yeah, I'll do a Bible study on that later. But um, you know, just the same as is you know, and, and I'll get to the 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 office of of prophet. I see a lot of these guys, you know, uh, call themselves prophet this or prophet that. You know, that office is closed as well. Um, we have, and I, and the reason why I say that is because uh, the last prophet I think that was um, was from the Old Testament. There was 400 years and no prophets. So how can somebody be a prophet today? You know what I mean? And they generalize all their their prophecies. They're they're not specific, right? And they don't speak for God. So guys, you know, if if you're out there listening on TikTok or 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 you know. Um, you know, even Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and you hear somebody shum along and ding dong, and they're trying to prophesy over you. They're not real prophets, guys. The the the, the office of prophets prophets have been closed. So, all Christians are called by God to service in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was called to be an apostle. That was a unique office in the church of Jesus Christ. The office of, of prophets is also unique, right? Paul tells us in, in Ephesians that the church is built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. The foundation has been laid and, and there is no longer any need for an extraordinary office of an apostle or prophet. People today are abusing that, you know what I mean? And people who are prophesying today are false prophets, right? They're abusing this office and, and you cannot command God to do anything apart from his will. And they'll be held accountable for that. Again, they're either being deceiving and, and they're liars or they've been deceived themselves and they're just doing what they're taught. You just, just got to use discernment on that. Um, now notice Paul addresses the Roman Christians in Romans chapter 1, 7a. He goes, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. See, in, this, in the scripture, the word saint refers to all of God's people, to all Christians, to all who were born again by the Spirit of God. A saint is not some super Christian in the New Testament. All Christians, according to Paul, are called to be saints, just as he is called to be an apostle, right? So the church and in, 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 in the church, the commander in chief is, is, is Jesus, the officers of the apostles for whom there is no apostles today or prophets, whom are there no prophets today, um, evangelists, pastors, teachers, elders, deacons, and the soldiers are the Christians, right? That is all the saints. <coughs> now, I know I'm going on, uh, I'm taking my time with this. We got a lot more to go. So, you know, hang tight in there. You know what I mean? Stay with me. Um, you know, in theology, we talk about the different offices in church. And, and the supreme office of uh, the supreme office of the mediator is held by uh, the head of the church, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there are special offices. Some are extraordinary offices, such as apostles and prophets that are in no longer used today. The ordinary office belongs to evangelists, pastors, teachers, elders, and deacons. 
and there are some, and there are general office in which belongs to all Christians, right? So Paul tells us that there are so many different offices in the church in his letters to Ephesians, right? It says this. It was the Lord Jesus, it was the Lord who gave some to be prophets, some to be apostles, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people, i.e. the saints, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built upon until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge and and in the knowledge of his son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure and fullness of Christ. Right? The point is is that is God has called every Christian to service in his church. No longer have we have apostles and prophets, but we do have evangelists, pastors, teachers, elders, and deacons and saints, right? Now, if you're a Christian and you're a saint, you were called by Christ for some form of service in the church. Paul was credentialed for the ministry because who his master was. And second, he was credentialed for ministry because of his office. Third, in order to be credentialed for ministry, you must have a clear purpose. Paul was credentialed for ministry because of his purpose. He writes, set apart for the gospel of God, right? So before Paul encountered Jesus Christ on the road of Damascus, he was a Pharisee. The word Pharisee means separation or one who is set apart. Interestingly, Paul uses a play on this word to describe his newfound purpose. Before he met Christ, Paul was set apart to the Pharisaic traditions. The Pharisees crossed the, uh, crossed the street rather than pass close to somebody who was an unworthy sinner or a vile, public, a vile publican. They held the strict dietary restraints and sacramental cleansings, right? And a list of things a Pharisee would do was tremendously long. But when Paul met Christ, that was a life-shattering change that occurred before him, right? Before he was set apart from all manner of things as a result of his self-righteous, narrow, bigoted, cruel, and, and, and obsessive way of life. Afterwards, he was set apart for something for the gospel. That setting apart was positive because his newfound love for Jesus Christ. Paul says that he has been set apart for the gospel of God. Paul did not find it difficult to leave the, 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 the Pharisees because he had been called by God to proclaim the good news of the gospel. His new purpose in life was to preach the gospel of God. We shall learn more about this, you know, when we get further into Romans, because we're going to spend a long time in Romans, guys. So God gives all Christians a new purpose when they are called by him to service. It, it may be a mother, father, husband, wife, single student, professional, artisan, uh, or whatever, right? God calls Christians to glorify him in every sphere of life, right? Remember Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, you must think 
that only apostles like Paul received a call to service in Christ church. God, you know, God wants us to live for him exactly where he has placed you, right? The apostle Paul was credentialed by God to service to him, but you also have been credentialed by God to service for service for him, right? And first, we must settle the matter of who your master is. If it, if Jesus is not your master, then Satan is. You, like Paul, must become a servant or a bond servant of Jesus Christ. You become a servant by repenting of your sin and allegiance to Satan and placing your trust in, in, in Christ Jesus alone, right? And second, you must recognize that if you're a servant or bondservant of Christ, a Christian, then you have been called to service to him. There are no longer apostles and prophets in the church of Jesus Christ today, but there are evangelists, pastors, teachers, elders, deacons, and saints, and you are called to be one, a part of one of those offices. And finally, God has a purpose for you in service to him. God has called all Christians to service. It says in Ephesians 4.12, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Okay? So that he will be glorified. Right? That's just the the, killer way to think, man. And, and, And I know myself, you know, the position that I hold, I take it very seriously and I don't play with it. And the position that God has called you to being either any of those pastor, teacher, elder, deacon, you should be taken, or even a saint, you should take it seriously. A lot of people play with their Christianity and that, you know, they, they, they go to church on Sunday, but then they, you know, they, they go back to the world on Monday. That's, we're supposed to live out what we believe guys. We're supposed to get into our word. We're supposed to, you know what I mean? And that's where we should be today. So, hope you guys are enjoying it. I know I've gone a lot. I'm going over 45 minutes right now. But it, there's so much meat. You know what I mean? There's so much meat. So, just a few announcements before, um, you know, we, we start moving along uh, before we end. So, guys, we're planning a new church here in Idaho. And we're seeking your support. Uh, please go to madefreechurch.org. Click on the Made Free Church Idaho tab. Um, and there is a PayPal link there that you can support Made Free Church Idaho. Um, and, uh, you know, we thank you. We're a, we, we are a 501c3, so we will, you know, and, and, and please, because we, we're trying to get our unincorporated uh, so, uh, nonprofit association. So, and that costs money. So if you guys can help out with that, that would be great because the nonprofit association is something that we need here for, for Idaho. And guys, if you guys would like to support Made Free Church in general, you can do that and go to madefreechurch.org and go to the giving tab. There's three ways to give. You can give through our cash app or PayPal link, or you can send a check or money order to the address that's provided. Okay? Just remember that. And guys, we are seeking pastors, evangelists, teachers, ministers, preachers for our new website called PreachCore. That's preachcore.org. Go check it out. Um, it's an awesome website. We're going to be blowing it up pretty soon. So go check that out. 
Um, anyway, uh, guys, we just want to say thank you for being here. You know, may God richly bless your day. We're praying for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity that we get to spend with you, Lord. We love you and we worship you. Bless your hands and feet today. Bless those who have watched and are going to be listening on this podcast, Lord. We just thank you and on YouTube and, um, you know, Facebook and, and stuff, Lord. We just want to bless. We just want to bless you, Lord. And we just want you to bless the people that are watching or, or going to be listening. We love you. We worship you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, you guys have an awesome, awesome, awesome day. Um, And we will see you soon. God bless.